0: Welcome to Things to Think About. I'm Luca, and each episode, I sit down with Scott Commoners, professor of market design at Harvard University, to pick his brain about a specific topic in the world of crypto and Web3. I hope you enjoy, but more importantly, I hope you learn something. Morning, Scott. You ready to talk some crypto? Let's do it. So today, I want to talk a little bit about centralization and Web3. Obviously, we talk a lot about decentralization, this idea of allowing people to transact and and take action in a trustless system. But there are a lot of interesting use cases where centralization of some sort is important. Can you talk broadly about what you think the major differences are between centralization and decentralization, just as a level setter?
1: Sure. And to be clear, I mean, it's, you know, it's not either or, right? Like it it could be both, right? One can have a, a product or a platform that is partially centralized and partially decentralized. Um, it really comes down to you know a mixture of you know sort of control and ownership and, and production, right? And that's actually part of one of the reasons you can have like partials on all of these dimensions, is that you could be completely centralized in terms of production, right? There could be like a five-person engineering team that's making everything for a platform. But the decision-making process is totally decentralized, right? There's like a community that's voting like what the next thing that should go into this platform is, and those five people are basically just like you know instructed to do you know whatever the community's decided, um, you know, and they're you know maybe rewarded for doing it in some way, um, and so you know it's really about you know sort of how like you know how different aspects of a platform or a product you know conceptualization execution architecture reward like all these different components are are just spread out right like centralized is you have a single entity that's um you know making those decisions in in your or doing that implementation or receiving that reward um you know sort of as itself um decentralization is it's it's spread out right it's among many individuals and and typically often like um I don't even know the, I don't know if this is like really part of the formal definition, but in a decentralized system, one often has like porous boundaries, right it's like you know easy for someone to enter or exit the you know the body that is participating in the activity, whereas like you know centralized there's usually you know some sort of like boundary definition of like who is the decision maker or who is the you know the you know, the claimant on these rewards
0: at the core um There's an incentive structure, essentially that in a centralized system, your incentives are much clearer because there's a hierarchy of decision making or control to some extent Mm -hmm. when it comes to decentralization. It's a little bit more ambiguous because it allows you to decide who you want to interact with. The ecosystem is a little different. One of Mm -hmm. the things that I see people talk about the benefits of centralization um, is in cases like Uber where Uber steps in and is essentially a referee to the platform that they've built through driver ratings and, you know, verifying driver information to protect consumers. Is this type of accountability only possible in a centralized system? Are you able to build it in a decentralized way? And if you're not, is this where the hybrid solutions start to come into play?
1: Great. Um, So first of all, the rating, co- the, the rating question is really interesting because the I would say that's already a little bit hybrid in the context of a rideshare platform, right? You know, yes, enforcement and, you know, aggregation of ratings and enforcement is done by a centralized platform, right? Uber um, takes in all the rating information, processes it, decides like which drivers or, or riders are, are really like, you know. Causing, like, you know, you know, causing negative experiences on the platform regularly and then you know, enforces this by, by kicking them off. Um, but the rating information is aggregated in a fairly decentralized way, right. Like the ratings come in from individuals. Um, you know, there's you know, there, there's a star scoring system, but there's actually not you know, sort of a, a uniform code to what represents like a good or a bad ride, right? It's an individual impression. Um, And so you're you're collecting from a lot of different participants in the platform information that's then being used by the platform to sort of effect a a centralized enforcement scheme. Um, You can imagine, and in fact, we see versions like this in in decentralized um, platform designs as well, right? Like, you know, know, rewards and and, and reputation information uh, conveyed through tokens and token awards, right? Like maybe everyone, like, you know... Uh, chooses to vote their tokens in support of some particular person being, you know, included in the platform or kicked off of the platform or something of the sort. That's actually not that different. Um, indeed, like you know, you can imagine, you know, if, if Uber had fixed their, um, you know, their, uh, what, their their enforcement mechanism as like a piece of code that was like locked in and couldn't be changed. Then you know you could imagine that this could be done in a completely decentralized fashion with people like you know rating drivers and drivers rating riders, um, and then you know sort of just whenever somebody fell beyond whatever those the the implicit threshold in the fixed piece of code, they would be kicked out. And you don't actually need a centralized platform managing that, um, other than just like controlling the the permissions and so forth, and, and maybe like maintaining the system. The place where centralization actually I think is really um, Like is more central pun not originally intended uh in the design of ride share platforms is in their decisions about which riders and drivers to match right so the platform has a really strong incentive to think about the long run sort of you know future of the network right like and they might choose to not send you the driver who's closest to you because they know that that driver with high probability is going to be like better matched to pick up somebody 5 minutes from now. Right? Like, you know, maybe just like they know that it's like really likely that 5 minutes from now a lot of people are going to be like taking rides, you know, to some specific suburb that happens to also be where that driver lives. And so like they could take you to the airport in like the totally wrong direction or they could like idle for a couple more minutes and then get a ride that goes near where they live and then just stay in their home area, you know, for the rest of the day. And like the platform can see things like this, um, the individual users can't, and it's the platform that has the incentives to like think carefully about these long-term, tra- you know, sort of like medium to long-term trade-offs, right? They want to keep the overall like ability to match drivers and riders robust in a way that an individual driver might like prefer it, you know, to decide differently, or an individual rider might prefer that the platform decide differently.
0: If decentralization and centralization are both just different incentive structures um it sounds like your theory here is that centralization creates a set of incentives for one group of people to look in the long term whereas through decentralization people are incentivized to move in the interest of the greater good because of their own personal interest which isn't always necessarily the case
1: yeah like exactly like maybe maybe let me like invert that statement it's like Centralization and decentralization, sort of like centralized organizations and decentralized organizations respond to different sorts of incentives and provide different incentives to their participants, right? And so a centralized organization, like, you know, has more of an incentive to think about, you know, long, you know, well, yeah. We have seen some platforms actually don't think as much about long run <laughs> stability and, and as as they might otherwise right? in an
0: ideal world short term profits. Yeah.
1: Right. In an ideal world, right? Centralized platforms are good at providing services that rely on, you know, high level like sort of decision making and, and economies of scale sort of that, that run throughout the platform. Right, so if you're like a delivery network or or a rideshare company or something, you see like total demand and total supply in a way that means you can make better decisions than the individual drivers or riders could. Um, and we and you know it's funny I, I use this example in my my classes all the time. Um, so there's a company called Sidecar. I don't know if you
0: have you heard of them. I feel like I have, but I can't describe what they did a
1: while ago right exactly these guys these guys didn't make it but they actually thought of the uber X concept before uber did so sidecar was like rideshare in you know somebody's ordinary car hmm. um, but they recognized that there was a big trust problem right you're not gonna just get into a random stranger's car um, and so to try and address that they gave people choices over their drivers like you know there were drivers created profiles they also even like bid, on like different like you know ride um rates and so you would get this menu of like different drivers at different prices and like could decide like which driver you wanted to have pick you up and the problem with this design is and and while it it might have helped foster trust some like no like average rider has any clue like what features of a profile should make them trust the driver and certainly has no idea like how they should think about that like price trade-off terms or efficiency trade-off terms it's just not you know so that was like a sort of fully decentralized rideshare model, right The platform was just like the the network on which you could like you know query drivers and drivers could like make offers to riders. but like it was super inefficient because nobody had the information needed to make these decisions. And so their centralization works really well because the platform sees all the information that they need to like do the allocation. By contrast, you know, where do we see decentralized structure working potentially better? Um, often, and, and this is this is very central to a lot of Web3 platforms, right? Often decentralizing some degree of, of ownership or decision rights among your users, um, you know, or or, or community members in, in the case of an NFT project. Um, creates a greater incentive for them to sort of become actively invested in the platform right It creates a new type of network effect around what uh, my co-author uh, Jad Esper and I call community cohesion um, and incentivizes you know and, and can incentivize people to literally invest right like you know not not just like you know cash but like effort and time right like you know if you're if you're a real believer in this platform, and you're a part owner in it, even if it's a very small ownership sliver. Ownership sliver. Now you have like more of an incentive to try and like you know grow the engagement, like get other people involved and so forth, um, because you internalize some of the benefits to the platform. Uh, and meanwhile, it, it also you know on, on the governance side can be empowering in terms of helping the platform creator better understand what the users actually want, right? Like. Um, you know, it, it, giving giving some degree of, of governance or control or ownership to a decentralized community helps when they have information that the platform owner can't have mm-hmm. directly. Like, like in the context of ratings, we were just describing, right? Like, you know, why why do we collect the ratings in a decentralized fashion? Well, because it relies on information that the platform itself can't see. Right? The platform is solving this mapping and routing problem because it's much better positioned to make decisions about that with its information set but it's having users tell it like which interactions were positive and negative because the users see that and the platform doesn't have it in its information.
0: Centralization now after this conversation, I'm thinking of as a gradient, essentially of of trade-offs between whether a select in-group that's directly responsible for something um, gets the rewards but has limited information that gets fit into their clearinghouse, at least to some extent, mm-hmm. versus a decentralized system or something more towards the decentralized side where they forego some degree of that ownership in order to bring mm-hmm. more people, more voices, and more information into whatever structure or clearinghouse that they're trying to build. Um, yeah, that sounds right. That's really, really fascinating as like a, a way to conceptualize it. And I think it brings us to the conversation of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, the idea here being that in a trustless system, you can come to some sort of not necessarily consensus, but a decision um, around what this organization should do. Yep. Talk to us a little bit about where you see DAOs starting to change decision making and marketplaces. Um, what are kind of the first use cases that you think are, are going to start adopting these ideas?
1: That's a great question. Um, And one, yeah, it's a really good question. So what you want to look to is where decentralized participation actually has the potential to create more value than than purely centralized participation. Um, And that can happen in a bunch of different ways, right? One of them is just simply like, what if the people who have the relevant skills or ideas or knowledge are just like all over the world and poorly identified? And like, you want to basically just be able to like flexibly bring in people and, you know, contributors to your project who, you know, demonstrate that they've got the, like, you know, the right insights and the right interests and so forth. Um, So one use of this is just about really creating this like flexible entry and exit um, outside of the boundaries of, of sort of like standard firm organization and and structure, um, that of course work. You know, sort of thinking again about like when is it that like sort of the information of this like sort of big decentralized crowd is and, you know information and, and skills and so forth. The big decentralized crowd beats that of like you know a, a more like centralized organization. Um, that's going to be cases, of course. You know where you know different forms of creativity and, and insight and background, right? Like turn out to, you know, be, be real assets. And we've seen that a lot with a lot of these, like, you know, sort of curation, you know, like art curation and collection, use you know, sort of collectives again, sorry, pun, not originally intended. Um, the uh, this is a problem. I, you write enough puzzles. You start speaking, puns, you don't even notice it. Um, you know, so you know, groups that are like sort of trying to like build up like a you know like a real convex combination of a bunch of different tastes. Similarly, um, organizations sort of coming together flexibly to like hack on some like big you know sort of you know sort of big major project where there's just like a lot of interest and enthusiasm about it, and a lot of people want to like own a part of the the production process. Um, the places where they're gonna be less effective are places where you really need like centralized guidance and leadership to make decisions, right? Like and, and sometimes you know that's that's a more efficient way to run organizations, right? Like there are, you know, and, and a lot of DAOs, again, I'm not I'm not super deep in the, the DAO space, but it's it's definitely clear that a lot of them have discovered that making decisions among large centralized groups of people with like varying interests and opinions can actually be very complicated um, and can be a source of friction to actually like executing a project. Um, and so you need the value of being able to bring in a wide array of contributors and like, you know, incentivize their participation directly, uh, to be worth the, the inefficiencies that might come with a, with a decentralized governance structure. And then again, the, the other thing is like, it doesn't have to be all one, sorry. Like, like, and, and, and this is like, I think so essential to keep reiterating because like, it's it's commonly misunderstood. In crypto like like people tend to think like you know something just has to be fully decentralized or it's it's bad right like you know that's not necessarily the case right like platforms could decentralize um curation like super rare is doing while still have like a centralized tech team that's basically responding to the community's decisions about like what the tech team should do Uh, platforms can have decentralized reward structures While still having a centralized organization. That's that's the looks rare model, right? Like they're saying, look, we're gonna share the upside of our platform with our community, but like we're still gonna build the platform like a centralized platform because that's an efficient way to develop like a you know an NFT trading platform. And so I think like, you know, you can have sort of organizations that are that are DAOs in in some case you know, sort of in in some structural ways and and much more centralized in others.
0: I think my biggest takeaway from the conversation we've had so far is that we are in the very, very early days of understanding just the broad implication that this has on work and collaboration and building. I think one area that I'm very interested in is how scale plays into decentralization. I think a, a big narrative is that decentralized systems need to be scaled. To be able to have some real value or impact, um, generally along that idea of like you're aggregating more data, more information, more perspectives to create a more mm-hmm. even marketplace or system. Is that actually the case? Or could we see a world where DAOs of five or six people become strong collaborative engines and you start to see this technology just facilitate the efficient collaboration of smaller groups of people? Yeah.
1: It's a good question, and and as you say, it's early days. We don't really know, but my instinct actually is that like small to medium sized DAOs might actually be much easier to architect in productive ways than than really large ones, um, and that's that's in the that's in the decision making and, and governance context, right? Like, um, in terms of ownership and and sort of like shared upside, I think that sort of scales very nicely, right? Like. Mm-hmm. Um, although I guess like, you know, if the, if the total upside is, is, is fixed, you know, it, it you know, the, 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 marginal share for the individual declines as, as the, the number of people sharing it gets bigger, but you also hope that like having a lot of people involved grows the pie. Um, but in terms of decision-making and, and sort of co-creation, um, you know, there's nothing that says an organization couldn't be small right and then like people could like seamlessly enter and exit but like the overall like scale of the organization is kind of small right like you know or or similarly like you know maybe the easiest like the easiest analogy to think about is like imagine a you know, like a imagine a platform community where um i guess this is the way a lot of these like um you know sort of uh, you know a lot of devs actually have a structure that that looks a little bit like this right there's like you know a broad, you know, sort of medium to large size community of, of token holders who are like part of the entity and like express some amount of decision rights on some things, but like they also like elect or or contribute to the you know sort of the assignment of like a board or like a like a centralized like sort of leadership team that does a lot of the like sort of more like high level like day to day decision making rather than like you know guiding the the, the project in, in its broad strokes. And like, you know, we're like, uh, you know, think about like Jenkins, the valet, right? Like, you know, here you have a ton of people like independently, like voting on, on decision making around like, you know, what should go into the book and like, you know, which characters should have, which, you know, sort of like be featured in which ways and so forth. Right. Uh, and yet at the same time, right, like you have a team and then an, author that are like deciding like which questions are you know a lot about which questions are getting asked right they're sort of you know framing the the decisions that are being made by the organization um and so in that sense like you can easily imagine having like a small team that is, you know, sort of the whole product, like the, the entire team, right? Like, and then the, the DAO structure is just people can like transition in and out. Maybe there are only six tokens, and like you have to hold one of these tokens to be part of the team that builds this product. And it, maybe somebody wants to join, or like maybe somebody wants to exit, and they they trade that token to somebody else. But like, uh, you know, there's still a limit of six, and like you know, sometimes six is the right size for your tech team. Um. But also, you can have instances where the like the DAO structure involves like you know a small number of people um, guiding the decision process, and then a large number of people sort of contributing to the decision process or something like that. And again, like there, you know, I, I'm not a I don't know how to be like a DAO maximalist in this context. But like you know, the DAO maximalist might say that this is like not fully decentralized. But like in my mind, like it is quite decentralized, right? Like It just has different layers of of decentralization as a function of like what decision is being made and like how it's being structured.
0: I think it also like even if you have a board and you have a small organizational team or or whatever you want to call it that is operating on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. I think the dynamic of like human capital interoperability and being able to move in and out of projects at will as as a, as yeah. a worker, as someone contributing to the projects, is like a fascinating paradigm shift because you're able totally. to essentially self-select what you want to contribute to. And it can be one or it could be 20 projects. And you also self-select the amount you contribute. Do you see this fundamentally kind of shaping how Web3 is developed? Or is this something that kind of is just Happening on the side while mainstream and traditional organizations kind of continue to push ahead.
1: I think the to me the fundamental thing uh, that has made DAOs that has made Dow's a part of the the new organizational infrastructure. Is that the right word? New organizational, like it's just like a new organizational form, is really about this like idea of ownership again, it all comes back to like Web3 enabling digital ownership that you can sort of, you know, plug in and out of a, you know, of a project um, or of a or of a group or whatever um, in a way that like, previously we needed like a, you know, a, a formal, like a certification layer, like to, you know, it's like a, like a constructed certification layer to manage. Whereas like now a lot of that can actually be managed like Through code. Um, And so, in that sense, it's like, you know, decentralized decision making of different forms have existed forever, but there wasn't as good a way to organize it and to, like, you know, enable people to enter and exit projects, you know, sort of fluidly. Um, And so, I I think, like, you know, there have been organizations like um, with different levels of, you know, centralization or decentralization forever. but now we're seeing new ways that organizations can function with much more decentralization than they had before and so in that sense i think we will definitely see this continue right like this is a this is a useful paradigm and and as we've talked about it has like you know benefits relative to centralization in some contexts and so um so i certainly expect like the fact that web3 has enabled this like it it will continue to it will continue to grow um i think it's not going to like take over like all forms of organizational structure it's going to be useful in the contexts, uh, you know, sort of where the decentralization contributes. Um, I guess one other thing: this isn't quite about DAOs, but like, you know, again, on this point about like small organizations, right? Like, a small project, like, actually, again, I think it's like easier to analogize an NFT projects. There's a little bit less sort of sort of complexity around what's going on in in the communities. Like, you know, like you're you're all co-creating a community together. Uh, as opposed to like, also trying to like decide about some piece of software. Or, like, like DAW, have all sorts of like you know much more complicated like um, you know use cases in mind. And so like forming an NFT community, like a lot of these communities, if you think about it, start as a tiny decentralized community, right? It's like you know a, a couple people on a team who create you know an art or an aesthetic or uh, you know a, a series of songs or something, and then you know, a small number of early enthusiasts who really become part of like the ethos of, of the you know sort of, of the community of its brand and shape a lot of like what it is and what it becomes, um, that's a decentralized organization right there right and like and th- and there's there's a porous boundary between you know the, the the central team and and the community right like you know for people literally like move in and out like um you know you you might like you know start in the community like you know as an enthusiast become a mod or you might like start on the you know start as a like content creator and like you know rotate out and just become a community member after a while like whatever right like there's there's a very porous boundary there um but this is a like type of creation that is enabled by the technology, making it sort of possible to enter and exit the community and participate at different levels and 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 become engaged in, in different ways and change your engagement level, and all of that I think is like very like Web three and, and we've seen like repeatedly now it can be extremely valuable and like a really like you know I don't know uh, a powerful way to build a new brand or or product concept.
0: Like you've said, there are a number of, of instances of, of decentralization across history, right? Like tons of organizations have incorporated decentralization in some way. Tons of just baseline decentralized movements have existed. Um, and in some extent, art and, and brands have always been like that. But like you said, they mm-hmm. haven't had the infrastructure totally. to really enable it or allow it to exist. I think on a more macro scale, one of the areas that I'm really interested in, and I'd, I'd love to get your perspective, is social movements and, and organizations in general that are already decentralized, mm-hmm. finding new use cases for this technology as a way to organize those movements and manage it without central figureheads, without, and you may argue that those central figureheads are important and serve as you know, imagery and, and so on. But regardless, um, what are your thoughts on, say, social movements, using DAOs for... You know, organizing the movement and and legal funds and stuff like that, or artists using it to finance art movements as a broad whole or independent journalists, these kind of groups where they want to maintain independence as an individual, but still want some of the benefits of collective action.
1: Yeah. Oh. it's a great category, and and note that it's one the internet has consistently empowered, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, social media. You know, first, like the internet just alone, like making it possible to like gain awareness and like interact with, you know, sort of an, and deliver information to people in a way that was like much less constrained by, um, you know, sort of the existing venues and distribution systems. Social media making it possible to, you know, organize and and sort of build attention you know, to a movement very, very quickly and sort of like for people in the movement to coordinate in a pretty decentralized way. I think this is just, this is, on that dimension, this is just a natural evolution, right? Like, um, you know, the ability to, you know, form and you know, sort of form an organization and like, you know, create a means of, of unifying and, and sort of enabling communication among that organization, you know, sort of through Web3 is just like, been an incredibly powerful use case already, right? Like everyone, you know, everyone who you know is into some particular community collects a token that gets them in access to a token gated chat room, you know, or, or Discord or something of the sort, right? Like, like these are ways for people to self-identify them as, as excited about some cause or um, you know, or artist or like you know means of engagement, and then find other people who share that interest and, and sort of like you know and then immediately have a shared text over which to engage. Um, that's been a super powerful use case, and, and I think we'll see much more of it.
0: Yeah, I, I think this entire conversation is beyond interesting. My key takeaways, um, firstly, decentralization and centralization is not a binary decision. It's a gradient that's really about trading the centralization of ownership out towards your community, to optimize systems. And it's a trade-off between who's- Optimized. That's a really
1: key word there, by the way. Like it's about optimized design. Like centralization is good for some things. Decentralization is good for other things. You want like the optimal mixture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the perfect way to put it. It is a gradient of of centralization and decentralization that allows you to optimize processes. But it, it really at its core is a technical layer over social interaction meant to just make it Function more efficiently is that kind of your view as well, like on a very very broad scale.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Like it's a and and what the technology is doing is giving a it's changing the transaction costs associated with it is lowering key the transaction costs associated with lots of forms of decentralized coordination, decision making, value sharing. Like and so you know. Now, suddenly, like in places where we might have wanted decentralization, but previously the, the friction was too high, now maybe we can do it.
0: Yeah, the progression, um, lowering barriers of entry, lowering cost. It's uh, it's all there. Thank you so much for sharing these perspectives. Um, I'm sure we will dive into DAOs and work and, and the evolution of it all more in the future as well. I hope that conversation sparks some new ideas for you. It certainly did for me. If you'd like to connect with Scott, you can find them on Twitter at scommoners. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can also find me on Twitter at WM If you want to hear about a specific area of interest, send us a message on Twitter or Discord. We would love to hear your perspective. As always, stay thingy, do good things, and we'll see you next week.